Welcome back to Stories from the Ashes, where we pontificate on good books and the stories that define and refine us. I'm Amber, and I'm here with Amanda, and our special guests today are authors S.D. and J.C. Smith. So Sam and Josiah, welcome. It is our delight and pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. We are so glad to have you guys here. Many of our listeners will know Sam as the author of the beloved Green Ember series, but we are here today to talk about a new book, Jack Zulu and the Waylander's Key. And the two of you wrote this book together, and that's so exciting. Congratulations to both of you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. We wrote it with our with our bare hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So. Josiah, I've been reading a lot of the information that is out about this book so far. And one of the things that I saw was that you had, this was your idea. This book was your idea from a TV script that you had been writing. And that's that's really funny to me because I don't think a lot of kids even understand that TV is pretend <laughs> to the point that they're like, TV has writers and I can do that. He just figured it out. What inspired you to take it from a TV script that you were working on and to move it into the, the novel stage? So, I had been working on it for probably a year, year and a half, maybe. And just, I I would always talk through ideas and stuff with dad. Uh, But eventually he really came to me with the idea uh, because he had read my stuff and and really liked it. And he felt like writing it as a novel would give it the best shot at actually being adapted into a TV series. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then from there, we kind of just set to work together to to adapt it. So how old were you when you started working on this? I was 13 years old when I first started writing stuff for this series. Had you been writing beforehand? A little bit, not very much. I, I've always been interested in storytelling, but before that I was more interested in like visual art and kind of like, uh, and I, I still really enjoy visual stories, whether that's movies or artwork or things like that. But I think this was probably my first major writing project. Wow, that's a pretty awesome to have such a big, such a big great book for your first big project it's great it's such an unfair advantage it's it's awesome <laughs> is it in the genes is the writing skills in the genes uh he's good at it i mean he's he's ahead definitely ahead of where i was but you know like he said he was more of an illustrator that's what i think that was your that was your first love probably it's, yeah he, he was a really good talented uh, you know, visual artist was emphasis on was 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 around that time he was really shifting into you know that definitely wasn't I don't feel like I can ever remember being like you know you should really think about sort of writing and that kind of thing I, that, that never I don't think that ever really happened I was excited about his illustration I thought well he's going to be a great illustrator he's really fantastic mm-hmm. award winning actually would you know he he would uh, kind of casually enter some local. Um, uh, draw, you know, little uh, illustration contest or something. And he would, he, he would win. He was really good at it. And, but yeah, he just started, he started sort of falling in love with the, with the process of storytelling. It really wasn't a, like, Hey, come along and do this. But at some point when I first approached him about adapting Jack Zulu for a novel, I, I genuinely was like, do you, you could do this. I could help you do this. I could help you adapt it. And uh, at some point, and I said, or, or we could do it together, that kind of thing. And I've, I've always loved the idea of, you know, father and son working together. I, I love that. I, I, I love the opportunity, mm-hmm. especially since he showed so much interest in this um, kind of storytelling. I just, I, I, 
my heart was certainly to kind of give him what I have to bring him along and say like, you know, this, this, this because my hope is it, you know, that it goes, goes farther. Um, right. Not, not just in like success, but just in, yeah. in being uh, excellent at, at the work. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so that's, it was, a, it was a pretty organic kind of a, a process. I Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I really like that. Um, I, so I was able to read the book and then there was a 24 hour window before I saw Amanda to pass the advanced reader copy on to her to read. And so my 15 year old read it in that 24 hours. She was just like, don't bother me. I got things to do. So <laughs> she plowed through it and it was really humorous to me, our different takes on the writers, because I went into it looking for Josiah's voice and I would you know, tell her as I was reading it, I was like, you know, the humor is completely different than the drier humor of Green Ember. Like in Green Ember, I feel like there were some actually like laugh out loud funny moments with Helmer and mm -hmm. Pickett, but otherwise the humor was much more subtle. Whereas in this one, I was laughing out loud so much that my daughter told me that it was rude and I needed to come in from the back porch because the neighbors were trying to sleep and I have a rather loud laugh. <laughs> so, so I was like, I wonder if, you know, like if this is Josiah's humor or if like Sam and Josiah working together, their humor is building off here. And so then Inara comes to me and she's like, I'm only a few pages in and I can already tell that Sam wrote this. And I was like, how do you know that Sam wrote it from being a few pages in? Like, we're no longer dealing with animals. We're dealing with humans. Like, what is this correlation that you're seeing? And she's like, well, the wiser older mentor has told them some big news. And now he has to go and talk to a friend to give them time to talk about it alone over food. It's always over food. She's like, that's my question that I want you to ask him. I want you to ask if that's their family culture where they have serious conversations after heavy drama over food food is that what we should have done after our fire should we have gone and eaten <laughs> oh, wow. that's our question is this your family culture do you guys have like all your heavy stuff processed out over a good meal i don't i i like to eat a lot i'm, I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. all the time anyway so yeah. whether it's enjoyable or heavy I yeah, know, whatever is happening there's food involved with yeah. our teenage boys <laughs> Yeah, I think that, that probably does happen. I, I, it's funny that you, you noticed that or she noticed that. That's cool. I, I didn't, I, I can't even, yeah, I never, I never really thought about that. That The yeah. mentor thing that I was like, yeah, that's, that's what we do. Father figures and, right. and people, mm -hmm. you know, who are disconnected, finding connection, that kind of thing. We, mm -hmm. we definitely do that intentionally, but I hadn't thought about the food thing, but that, I like that. I like that. That's very, uh, that feels very Christian to me, gathering around the table. Yes. You know, a fellow table fellowship is like, an act of war, right? Yeah, I love it. That's the, yeah, for sure. And then my family produced another question as well. I was speaking with my mother about the fact that you'd publish this new book because I've always talked to her about the Green Ember books as they're coming out. And I was like, yes, in this book, the main character is Jack Zulu and he's black and his dad is from Africa. And then he'd come to the States for school and his mother is from the Appalachian Mountains and she's white and they got married. And now they're living in this small town in the Appalachian Mountains and I was like, and it's really cool because Sam grew up in Africa as a missionary kid. And now he and his family live in West Virginia in this small town. And my mom's like, how's Sam's mother? And I was like, what? And she's like, how's his mom? I was like, what do you mean? How's his mom? She's like, well, you said that Jack's mom is really sick in the book and not doing well. And I'm wondering where the art ends and the truth begins. <laughs> 
so my mother wants to make sure that your mother is in good health. <laughs> she's okay. She's doing all right. She's getting, she's a little older, but she's, uh, yeah, she's, she's doing, she's doing fine. There's not a whole lot of correlation between, I mean, yeah. some, some correlation that, that, that uh, Jack's mom is a really faithful, um, wise, um, steadfast person in her weakness. Yes. Um, and challenges. I think that's definitely true about my mom as well. Um, uh, or Josiah's Coco, Coco, yeah. Coco which is uh, our, my my parents use uh, Zulu names for grandmother, Kulu and Coco. Or, so they uh, that's kind of a goofy thing from our family. <laughs> uh, so Josiah's Coco is is a, is a faithful uh, woman for sure. That's I really beautiful. appreciated that aspect of the story mm-hmm. because especially being so sick is so hard and it's not something that we often see in literature. And so it was just really nice to see someone being sick and being faithful through mm-hmm. it. Oh, yeah. Good. good. Yeah. I like that. That was the, the, the story fear is that that's, that can be too, a little too on the nose, but it's um, it just felt like, Hey, in the end, we're trying to tell the truth and mm-hmm. reflect reality. That's probably maybe our highest, if not one of the highest sort of goals yeah. that, that if we, if we used sort of effective storytelling, but didn't tell the truth about the way God made the world and reality with a capital R, then, uh, you yeah. know, that's, we're not, we don't really have a whole lot of interest in that. We want to be the, we want to be excellent storytellers, but we want to, we want to be faithful, um, above all. I remember after you wrote one of the chapters with Jack's mom, you came to me and you were like, you'd sent it to me and you're like, I guess you could say things are getting pretty Christian. We're definitely not apologetic about, you know, we, we, mm-hmm. we, we don't feel squeamish about that. We, it's not yeah. a, it's, this book is not a track for by any means. I don't even know if it would fit. We've never really been like, in the sort of Christian category as far as our books. It's, I've never thought of them that way, except that, yes, <laughs> we are, we are Christians. We we're devout Christians and we want to be faithful. So it's not a, it's, we were trying to be really good storytellers, but, it, but, you know, you're thinking about a small rural town in West Virginia, the family, and that, that's, that's who they are. And so some, so often <clears throat> I think we feel like, Oh, am I inserting this too much? Sometimes because uh, there's such a prohibition in, in, in many ways. And people pretend like not only it's particularly in fantasy and sci-fi, which is ironic, particularly in fantasy, but we pretend like like religious people don't exist often. Right. I mean, I can remember the 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 Mormon writer Orson Scott Card. I remember just reading him and like, oh, he has like there's like a there's a Catholic in his story. Like, <laughs> oh, it's like you read you could read science fiction forever and never come across anybody that even acknowledges the existence of a higher power. Yeah. Which is just absurd. It does that doesn't reflect reality. So anyway, we weren't trying to uh, you know be real 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 preachy or anything like that, but we were trying to be faithful. I really appreciated that about your books because I think that one of the reasons with sci-fi that it gets hard to include Christians is because of the gospel and God and his rescue plan for the world. And then you start getting into, well, how does this this expand into other realms and other places? And so I, I thought that your book handled it very naturally and well in a way where I didn't have to suspend disbelief too mm-hmm. much in order for it to seem that this there wasn't going to be like huge plot holes all over the place trying to keep religion as something that works in all the different realms so 
I did really appreciate that. And what you were saying about religion with a capital R, and I was just thinking of true myths when I was reading this. And I really appreciated your um, how you incorporated like thin places in the veil and the fact that there are all of these similarities between magic that happens with witch doctors and the superstitions of Appalachian mountains. I, I remember reading Christie by Catherine Marshall mm. when I was younger and some of the superstitions and the ways that they were handling different things around childbirth and whatnot reminded me of missionary stories that I had read that were set in Africa or South America and being like, I really feel that there are spiritual connections between all these different things that are not of light. <laughs> and so I really appreciated you calling that out and, and, and pointing it out without making it something that a kid would want to go do a deep dive into, mm -hmm. which I think is really dangerous. And I think that that's where you start. I start having issues with books that present witches as good characters and as light because the Bible tells us otherwise. And so I don't want my kids confused. And so I appreciated that I felt that the magic and the source of magic and things that were introduced in this book did align with a Christian faith without being preachy, without feeling like you're being indoctrinated at any point. It's good storytelling. It was an excellent story. I'm so appreciative of having it out there in the world for my kids to read and to add to our family vernacular of shared stories that we can point to and and hard things that we can point to. One of the themes that I really appreciated in this book was greatness versus goodness. Could you guys talk about that a little bit? Yeah. And just to go back to what you were saying, like, I think that there, there, there are a lot of parents who are concerned, oh, you know, does this have witchcraft or that kind of thing? And, and, I, and I understand because of what you said, because the Bible is really clear on sorcery and that sort of stuff. So it's not a it's not mysterious that that's that that's something that and I think that the the the, the tone of the book to me, you should come away with it as far as feeling like, no, that's a there's a warning. There's a it, it does right. have witchcraft in it, but it's, right. yeah. it's witchcraft is definitely Bad, which know? the Bible has witchcraft right. in. Yeah, like right. a, yeah know, exactly. Bible, it's kind of clear. I I hope a hospitable clarity about it, and it's a very yes. clear like you don't want to mess with that. Like that mm -hmm. is not a good thing. But you understand like why, and, and it gets to your question about greatness and goodness. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to take that or think thinking about through the the contrast. What Jack's presented with, it feels like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, one of the big things we talked about while writing it was like presenting the Rancast, the main villain of this story as like attractive and like mm -hmm. that sometimes that type of wickedness that like call to greatness, like it's, it can be really tempting, especially mm -hmm. because of what Jack's going through in his world. You know, it's, it's yeah. mm -hmm. so we wanted that, that threat, that like temptation to be real to him and that mm -hmm. him choosing ultimately the path of goodness versus greatness to, to be a real choice. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're exactly right. There is, there is this sort of like Herod, Herod in, um, uh, scripture, the one who, who, who slaughters the, 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 the children of Bethlehem. He's, you know, his mm -hmm. name in history is Herod the great. That's who he is. He's right. And, and uh, he, he, he was great. I mean, he built mm -hmm. incredible things that still are around today. He was an incredible sort of King uh, by permission, uh, you know, under, under the Roman rule, but he was, uh, he was a very great man, but it, was mm -hmm. he a good man? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so, you know, uh, right. and, and, and he did some good things, you know, re rebuilt the temple, all kinds of things, mm -hmm. incredible things that were good. 
but but a but not a, but an evil man in, in so many ways and and that's we wanted to get we wanted to be again we wanted to be honest about the 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 challenges and, and Jack's not an idiot this was something Josiah was really really um keen on was that Jack you know if Jack is a good smart he's he's a little bit of a superhero in making he's, he doesn't have any superpowers or anything he's but he's an ordinary kid but he's gifted and we've all mm-hmm. met people like this i've played mm-hmm. sports with people like this that are just like wow yeah. uh, they're just incredible oh i can play this guy can play and you know my, my brother um that josiah is named after um can play uh any inst- you know he just pick up an instrument and play it he's mm-hmm. amazing at like almost every sport very graceful person very kind and you just kind of meet him and you think wow that's uh that's somebody that's special. And I just think that's real in the real world. Yeah. We, and that's mm-hmm. part of what we, that's part of the whole thing too, is this sort of reality and the gifts of what God's given us. But, but, but a person like that would not just fall for anything. Yes. So, so our, so our villain is, and Josiah was really keen on cranking that up. Don't just make him like a, a, a pantomime villain, a, a baddie. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's, it's easy to see why we'd reject that. No, it's, it's attractive, which is true about yes. too, because it's like, you know, if you're in, if you're in Pharaoh's court, and Aaron is touching his staff to the Nile or to, to some water and it turns to blood. And then the, you know, the wizards from, from, uh, from Pharaoh's court do the same thing, which is exactly what they did in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're, there's an attractiveness about that power. Yeah. And of course there was, a, there came a point where they couldn't go on and, and, and the plagues went on with Moses and Aaron through Moses and Aaron and, and, uh, and they, you know, and the, the, the magicians from the, from Pharaoh's court said, you know, this is the, this is the finger of God. And they, they was kind of a, a breaking point, mm-hmm. but it was, but it was a, a real competition there for a while. Yeah. And we just, we wanted to be faithful. We wanted to present that. And, and so this, yeah, Jack's that, that, that's part of the heart of the book is this whole sort of choice, moral choice between Jack has this sort of clear, you know, escape, be great, grasp, um, dominate, take, achieve, you know, which all those words aren't bad. Right. <laughs> Some of them really bad. But, but then there's the other serve, humble, die to yourself. Uh, there's a kind of goodness, um, yeah. gentleness, you know, humility, love. You know, there, there's this, there's this, we, 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 we come to, I don't know if it's from a sermon at our church, but uh, I think we, I came away at some point. I don't know if it was you or me, but I don't know if it was you putting it into my head, but came away thinking like this, this book is about the way of life versus the way of death. Mm-hmm. Yep. And in many ways, that's yep. what all the Green Ember stories are about as well. But yeah. I feel like it's really clear in this book. Yeah. yeah. And when you were listing off the traits just now, one of the ones you said was serve. And it just made me think like one of the things that you see in this book is everyone has a master. And so who will you serve? Which master will you serve with with what you have? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is true. And like you think about it's one thing I love about the, the Lord of the Rings, like maybe I love a lot of fantasy and popular fantasy stuff. And there's like bad things about something, good things, but just mm-hmm. there's nothing that touches the way that Tolkien handled in the Lord of the Rings. Even the, the that whole question about nobility and greatness and gifts mm-hmm. and how the, the clarity of someone even like Gandalf, who's this really incredible being, the more you know about him, the more, you're, wow. Mm-hmm. But his, his, he is a servant. Uh, ultimately, he's a servant. And even, even among men, he's a servant. <laughs> you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's this very powerful thing, but he's like yields to other people, only takes, kind of takes over, even from, you know, messed up Denethor. He, he only does that really reluctantly and late. 
because he's a servant. I'm an advisor. I'm a, you know, that's, and I've always, I just love that. That's, I think that's so, so beautiful. And you, 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 you know, you see that in scripture a lot too. Um, so yeah, the, 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 the service is a, is a powerful thing. If you don't, if you're, if you're not, if you're looking around and there's no one who's, uh, for whom you need to be accountable to, mm-hmm. then you are God, you know, you are, you think you are God and you are, right. and you're, 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 uh, you're cruising for a bruising. You know, yeah. That's what my mom would say. <laughs> <laughs> so since we were talking about Jack and the green ember and all of Jack's qualities, I want to know if Jack were, uh, I'm assuming a rabbit from the green ember series, <laughs> what, what character would he be or what character would he mo- be most similar to? Hmm. Jack rabbit. You have any thoughts on that? <laughs> I don't know. He's... It feels like in the Green Ember, there's less of like a clear like A type hero kind right. of than Jack. Mm-hmm. Yes, so he's is. he's got Pickett, he's got Smalls, he's got like I don't, he's got traits of different people. Is he like uh, Pickett and Heather's best qualities together? I think so. Yeah, because I think he's like Heather, um, smart like Heather, like emotionally tra- intelligent like Heather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got the physical, um, you know, prowess of somebody like uh, like like Pickett or uh, you know the the the, the sort of up for the fight that Pickett becomes, I would say. Yeah. yeah. He's almost like a mature Pickett and a mature Heather together in a way. That's interesting because mm-hmm. he's so, he's such a, he's such a talented character, you know, that he, that he, that we have to, there, there needs to be a lot of limits on him yeah. to, for him to be yeah. interesting. And I think he, I think he is. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know about Jackrabbit. I think it's, it's funny that that sort of, <laughs> that kind of illustrates the, the differences between the stories and what we're trying to accomplish and, and, mm-hmm. and where, where we're trying, where we're, um, Focusing the spotlight in order to make yeah. the story interesting is different. In, in, yeah, yes. it's definitely different. Yeah. I was mulling over that on my own and going, yeah, that's hard. I, I can't figure out if there is overlap. So it's good to hear. Well, there is. I see the, the biggest thing that's the same to me is that Pickett also has a vision for what he can become if he is, if he turns his back, if he mm-hmm. indulges his rage. He has a vision for, in, in Garten. Uh, long treader and so mm-hmm. it's there's kind of like uh there's there's garten and then there's um wilfred you know maybe uh in his life and then helmer who's in the middle a little bit and helmer's kind of like oh which way what is he he's there's a little that there I, to me that's the the green river story becomes more and more interesting with Pickett and helmer mm-hmm. basically and where they fit in between sort of garden you know the, the faithful and, and heather's a little bit less interesting in that respect because she's her internal compass, her moral compass is so strong mm-hmm. um, that she has to have other limitations, which is what's similar to Jack, I think. Yeah. But that that whole, like, I see these ways and I must choose um, and I don't always make the right choice. And I I see the attractiveness of the of, of the sort of the bad side. You know, that, that feels true to like our experience, feels true to my experience as a person like i the, those choices are always there and i'm I'm not i don't always make the right choice you know and it's and it's yeah. not just logic it's not there's a lot going on there that, that um influences that so I, again trying to be faithful to reality with a capital r it feels like that's what we're that's that's part of that is trying to be honest about what what actually tempts us and what's what what makes us struggle and yeah. how attractive the way of death can be because yeah. the way of life is the way uh, is is laying down your life, which is yeah. this uh, ironic kind of thing. So. Yeah, and both books have young children wielding dangerous weapons. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. a very exciting similarity. <laughs> <laughs> There's fighting. There's fighting. Yeah. Yep. 
One other theme that I really appreciated that this book hit on was identifying who your true enemies are. And I thought that was good because you get to see Jack and Benny not sure all the time, especially once they end up in Wayland, like mm-hmm. who the enemies are. Like, is is your enemy just somebody who's rude to you? Yeah. No. <laughs> and just being able to see that some of these people are holding grudges and have made assumptions about Jack and Benny because of things people like Jack and Benny have done to them but then having their jack and benny's mentor be like they're not your enemy like you guys are on the same side on the things that matter and i think that was a really profound continual lesson being taught and shown and i've i've listened to some other um, podcasts and interviews that you've done over the years sam and something that you've mentioned a lot is how you prefer for messages to be caught, not taught to kids. And I really appreciate that. Like anytime a book started being taught to me as a kid, I was like, (laughs) no time for this. But I feel like there's just so many lessons caught from these stories that I just, I really appreciated that theme of identifying your true enemies and the theme of greatness versus goodness. And I loved Jack and Benny's relationship because I feel that Jack had all of this natural inborn greatness that we were talking about and skill and coordination. And Benny has all the humor and family values of an intact family since Jack's dad has passed before. And so Benny has both of his parents in this great, honest relationship with them. And they have this great trust in him because of the fact that they know they can trust him, that he's being honest with them and, and how they've just embraced Jack in his hard time. And, and they are true brothers, which I really love, but I love that Benny does not have the emotional intelligence that Jack does. And one of my favorite things was when Jack told Benny, read the game like this is what's going on in this situation that we're looking at this player is doing this and this player is doing this and you're you're about to like blow up the entire field and I really appreciate that because with kids on the spectrum without using a sports metaphor that's what I'm constantly doing with them is saying you know let's read this situation let's look at what's happening let's try to do two steps ahead. What is this person doing? What would that lead to? What is this person doing? If you did this, what would that make them do or lead them to do? And I really appreciated seeing that modeling in this story of Jack and Benny in their friendship so that my kids won't be like, oh, it's just my mom nagging on me. No, this is what people (laughs) who care about each other do to help each other level up and be safe. You know, I don't don't know if I agree that Benny has less emotional intelligence. I think maybe it's just different. Because it's different. Yeah. He he knew what was in Jack's heart and he knew yes. what he needed to do to protect him. Yes. And so yeah. I think it's just different. Like they just social. Different I think social emotional, like what okay. you're seeing in a group. Yeah. Jack, Jack is able to read the group very quickly. Jack does. Jack, Jack is very, um, yeah, he's, 
he could be a politician. Yeah, you know, he could be a mm-hmm. pastor. He could be something that was a he's a leader, natural leader. Yeah. But you're exactly right that uh, Amanda that that it's really key moments. It's Benny who knows, and ben, and what Benny is an expert on is he's an expert on Jack. Yeah, and uh, and I love the fact that that um that they're different, and it's cool that you know of all the sort of like if you were to ask us you know at the very beginning of this like you know what are the themes what are the key things you know uh, i wouldn't have said what you just said amber about it but i totally see it you know that mm-hmm. did that happen that's exactly right that sort of awareness and paying attention and helping each other yeah. and that's a big thing for you too is this this um jack and benny are not equals you know they're 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 different they're very different people um they don't they have a, you know obviously a quality of worth but um benny couldn't say like i'm as a uh, excellent in so many areas, the, the way that Jack is. You, you look a little bit, you'll see that Benny's excellent in lots of areas too. Like you said, he's humorous, but that whole thing of like, I, um, who, who just, who is Jack without Benny? And that, that's, that is a scary prospect because yeah. Jack is that whole, I've got your back. Jack is there. And that is so vital for him, especially considering the losses that he's had. And uh, so, so certainly uh, I, I love that about, I love that about Benny because, you know, who's my favorite character in the Lord of the Rings? Who's a lot of people's favorite character. It's Sam. It's Sam. Yeah. <laughs> I was say, love it reminds him. Me. We love him. And if he was a great King who was powerful and strong and I'm going to, you know, the vision he has of himself when he has the wing, the, the ring to begin with, you know, that that's not who he is. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and thank goodness, you know, because that's, that's why we love him. And so, so yeah, it's not, it's not. Um, and that's another thing of like greatness isn't always goodness and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and being a servant and loving and serving and coming along somebody side, somebody and saying, you know, my life for yours, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm for you is, is, is maybe the most powerful thing. Yeah. Um, we all fit together differently. I love that. You know, we, we, we need each other. You know, the, the way that St. Paul talks about the body of Christ is so, is always been so informative for me in life and understanding, I feel like if we could just give the modern world this gift of the Christian view of membership um, and C.S. Lewis writes beautifully about it, that, you know, none better than St. Paul. And it's just this beautiful picture of the body. And, and uh, you know, just because you're not the mouth or you're not the, the, you know, you're not the eye, you're not the arm, you know, you matter. You, you, and, you know, yeah. just any of us get a little injury to some small, what you thought of was a, was an insignificant part of your body and you're like oh my goodness i can't function yeah uh, I thought that not, my little toe didn't matter but breaking it means i can't <laughs> do a lot of things and so we all matter and 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 i think um looking on um our more modest parts with certain kind of care and that kind of thing and loving each other and just because you're not but we cannot say to each other i don't need you yeah i cannot say to the hand i don't need you and so yeah. so benny is not the same part as jack and that's and that's beautiful because that's that's that gives us the story that gives us the difference and i i personally love that i love that in storytelling i love that in reality i feel like it reflects reality so so yeah i'm and that's really josiah big time on on benny just you know benny is josiah's creation really Uh, and so is jack um but uh but boy the, i yeah I, the the dynamic of those two that was there at the beginning it's one of the things i loved about the story from the very very beginning was those two together michelle was always there too and i think michelle got more and more interesting uh, as it, things went on but boy that 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 core relationship that starts at these two boys is um is is what drew me to the 
to the story because mm-hmm. who do you, you know what do you love about the lord of the rings is it the ring is it the quest no it's the characters you know you yeah. we go on the journey because of them and i and i yeah i love jack and benny it's as good as the lord of the rings that's what it's, we're saying it's bad well, well i was <laughs> noticing the similarities throughout i was like this is just like sam and frodo <laughs> i love that's that me. that so. was completely unconscious like i i never thought of that until i was directly trying to rip off sam <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, yeah, I know it's so right, funny. Yeah. Like somebody mentioned it, maybe even in an interview, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's well, that's similar." But that's like, you know, that's just, that, that's yeah. the way it is. That's, that's you, yeah, that's it's like it. how sitcoms always are, and just, just character dynamics. You always have, you know, the Barney Fife and Andy Griffith, and just these two contrasting characters. Yeah. You do. Yes, you but Barney Fife is bumbling, so I appreciated that Benny wasn't bumbling. He bumbles, bumbles, but intelligently, though, with some. He's not as like wounded as Barney can get. Barney's so sensitive. Yeah, Yeah. that's like playing it for comedy. We we, comedy is a is an um is is a passenger on the sort of the serious journey. The jokes come after the jokes. Yeah, the jokes. The jokes are there. Like I'm glad you enjoyed the humor of it. That's that's definitely. I, I loved that. I feel like. For me, the the green ember, the humor comes. You know, it's, it comes. I like it. That's mm-hmm. that's natural for me in a lot of ways too. But but this is some this like unlocked some things because it's people and they're you know the, mm-hmm. you know you'd be surprised how limiting the references are when you when you when you're talking about rabbits and a made up world. You can't make comment. You can't make comments about anything and you know so much in the real world. World. It, you have to actually be a good writer. So this this was a nice relaxing thing. And so it's just like, yeah, we don't have to be that so, good. So why did you choose the, that was set in like the 80s, right? How did you choose that time period of all time periods? Specifically, the way Amanda phrased this question yesterday to me was, how does Josiah, a teen, write a book set before his time, but not long enough ago that it's a true historical time period? <laughs> so, so exactly, yeah, um, it's, it's it's not a true it's not a true historical time period. It felt true to me. I was there. <laughs> I don't like thinking of my childhood as a historical time period. <laughs> It's this time period. We got to confront reality at some point. (laughs) How do you research the 80s, though? I just talk to old people like my dad. I just just use my memory. So what's left of it? This is basically we're trying to get it down. We're salvaging S.D. Smith's story. (laughs) So you're saying we now know your dad's favorite cereals from the 80s. Are you an Applejacks guy? I love Applejacks. Those were so good. Yeah. The the simple, I think, answer is we both love those kind of stories. You know, I've introduced him to you know a lot of the stories from that that time period and they're pr- pretty popular still you think about star wars and those kinds of things but things like things i grew up with um but steven spielberg george lucas sort of stuff is really powerful i think that's uh you, you can feel the flavor of that you can feel tolkien lewis but which is kind of a cliche but i feel like it's honest but then you know you've got lucas and spielberg is kind of more influence into this this world um, those are kind of it was kind of feel like the the fairy tales of our generation in some ways you have yeah. star wars and et and all these great stories the karate kid you know which yeah. is 
is a north star for us. We just we, it really we, is. We, it's, it's a really <laughs> yeah. It really it's all about fatherlessness and that kind of it's it's a, it's a powerful powerful story. Yeah. Um, I think and also super cool. Um, but yeah, I think that the, there and there's just the basic thing. You know, kids on bikes without cell phones is is just hard to mm-hmm. beat as far as the so, limitations there are really interesting. Yeah, limitations that we don't have today. Yeah, they're kind of it's it's romantic, I think, in a way. So I think it is far enough away to where there's some romance, but you also mix in nostalgia for a lot of people, you know, my yeah. age, and it, that that helps too. Yeah. So I think it's it's a in, in some ways maybe we should have just said it now, but 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 uh, I don't know. We like that. It, do, it doesn't feel forced. It feels like that's it where doesn't. It's, it no, it doesn't. Yeah. Feel. We like the, the limitations are always valuable. And, and so the limitations of being in a small rural West Virginia town, which is, again, like you said, Amber, that's pretty natural to me. You know, all, uh, the, uh, this, the connection to Africa is really strong for me too, having lived there as a teenager. And, and so in the zoos, particularly the Zulu people in particular. And so that's a, it's a, it feels a, like a natural organic sort of voice to tell the story. In. And I think one thing that's nice about the eighties, because there are a lot of stories, even stories going back and telling is it doesn't feel like you have to do a lot of, um, so if you're doing a Napoleonic story or um, even, well, maybe, maybe like the Austin sort of era, maybe it might be an exception because there are so many popular stories uh, because of Jane Austen and others that you actually might be able to set something there and not have to do tons of heavy lifting to bring people mm-hmm. along. But '80s feels like close enough because it's, it's connected to our time still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people kind of understand it. You don't have to do a lot of like, and this is how this works, and this is yeah, the- yeah. <laughs> like which is nice as a storyteller. You know, you're trying to, you're always trying to. That's why cliches. You know, people are always down on cliches, and I get that. But also, cliches are effective. You know, they they exist because they work. People understand. Yeah. Them. You know, they understand yeah. like, oh, the guy coming into town with a black hat. Um, who's going into the bar and starting trouble? Like you don't have to say like now. He's not the hero. <laughs> they're they're effective, and it's nice to kind of subvert those. And I get all that, but but um, but sometimes the setting and the, and the uh, the world is it's nice to if you're especially if you want to focus on other things, which is always the deal for me. That's the same same reason why you know, get asked a lot by kids, particularly, you know, why aren't there um, squirrels or why aren't there, uh, you know, why don't we see the, a good hawk or something yeah. like that? And I'm like, that's not what I want you to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't look over there. Don't think <laughs> man walking into the, into the story, you know, that, that's yeah. not, what, that's not what we're thinking about. We want to think about the, the field mice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We want to think about the moral complexity because these, these rabbits are stand-ins for yeah. people. And so right. and the, the, the evil, Characters are not, and species are not as morally complicated. They're morally simple, um, which is kind of reflects the reality of like sort of dark forces or whatever. So you just have this moral complexity. I just, that's what I want you to look at and think here. So it's similar with this. It's just like anything that kind of relieves the mind and kind of lets you focus on what we actually care about, which is the things we've been talking about. This whole like the characters, the greatness, the goodness. Like look at that and see yeah. and feel and, and int- be introduced to these other um kinds these other races of of, uh, of uh, people from other other worlds and like ha, ha, you know that's what we want to focus on that's yeah mm-hmm. so josiah when this was in the tv script form was it still set in the 80s or was that a change you guys made for the novel it was it was always set in the 80s i think i i think i didn't really have a whole lot of influence from you like setting it there i've, mm-hmm. I've just always been kind of fascinated with that obviously mm-hmm. from him because he's shared all these yeah. stories with me but yeah, it was all, it was always connected to like eighties and like the fun sort of music and movies from that era, mm-hmm. bringing those into like a fantasy world. Yeah, I do think it's of. What does your sticker say? 
Appalachia. Oh, nice. Appalachia. <laughs> is that a That's real, a real place? place? No, not yet. Then where's my sticker? Yeah, I, <laughs> I need definitely need fandom stickers. <laughs> well, we want to do an Appalachianos shirt. Uh, for those listening, you'll you'll maybe you'll, after you after you uh, watch or watch you read the read the book, watch the book after you watch yeah. the book or read the movie, <laughs> you'll uh, be able to maybe appreciate this little this little place called Appalachianos, which is a little pizza place in in Myrtle, West Virginia, a little made up town and a little made up. Uh, pizzeria but um, if it's yeah. made up can we make up that it's still this really cool place but it has gluten-free pizza which i know is not a thing in the 80s but i think it should have been <laughs> it does, does. freddie marino okay. knows how to make good gluten pizza i think uh, what what would the pe- what would the people in small town west virginia say to say? <laughs> you know, yeah. just you're die. probably right just die. <laughs> Just eat it and die. Like that like is that. not how you use cauliflower. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was there. I can. I, it isn't hard for me to imagine what it was. Like what, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. See, now you completely threw me off of my my thought. Okay, train so I want to know. Now I'm gonna go on my thought train. So I want to know since this was originally written out for TV. If the day comes around where it does become a TV show, did you have to change so many things for the book that the TV show is going to be completely different? Or will it be the way you envisioned it for TV in the first place? That is so interesting. I have no idea. I do have some idea. Maybe a little bit. He's He's working on it now. He's adapting it. He's, we adapted back. it to, to, yeah, he's adapting it back, I think. It's and, a very inefficient way to, to do this. <laughs> TV show again, and then really, First, then we're going to write the video re- game. We're going to write a really good novel. <laughs> yeah. After all this, we're really going to get novel based on the TV series. Which was based on the novel, which yeah. is that's going to be a good book. Well, maybe it should just go straight to being a play. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's the adaptation of the TV of script from the novel. Oh, yeah. A lot of synthesizers. Musical. Yeah. I, I think it is kind of episodic, the book. Like, I, I hope there wouldn't be too much that would have to be altered. I think, like, obviously it's a, it's a completely different way of telling the story. But I think the, the core of it would be very similar and it would have the same set of characters. And I think a lot of the same events would happen. But uh, there would probably be things that needed to be filled in or left out to make it more efficient for the screen. Well, you can't change it too much because then the book lovers will be mad if the yeah you can't make the book lovers mad. That is, mm-mm. you just got to come back <laughs> and just say like, listen, this was the book is not was not the original artifact. So you know, <laughs> book's got to get in line. Cry about it. The book wasn't the book wasn't as good as the movie that yeah. I invented in my mind. <laughs> Oh man, you gotta read the game. Read the game. The game does not want you to be unfaithful to the book. It'll be a good show. He's working yeah. on it. even. Uh, it's just a different art form. So I hope that it is the same. This is true of the Green Ember too. You know, if if and when we adapt that, we're just gonna have to live with the fact that it's a different. You know, if you are if you are telling the story to a child or painting a painting for uh, your grandmother. It's a different thing, and even if even yeah. if it's like both of them are sort of rabbits with swords, or both of them are whatever, you, it's still going to be different, and you have to live with the, the the. There are different limitations. There are different colors. 
and and the cinema or visual stuff is there's you know because a picture is worth a thousand words it's that's really true i mean you can do i i envy filmmakers because you know it's one look one look you can just a person kind of um looking squeamish or looking afraid i mean that's a that's a page or that's two you know the, the amount of work you have to put in to sort of give that to somebody in, in the written form. And there's different strengths of the written form too. I love the novel. You can get inside characters' heads in a way that you can't really do on screen, but it's so powerful that it's just, a, it's, it's, it's painting with different and more yes. varied paintbrush um, with yeah. cinema and film. You just, the music is massive, no music in novels. You have this incredible, you know, if you just added that to storytelling, you would have this yeah. incredible new dimension. And then you Well, I was going to say that I think you guys should make a Spotify list for Jack Zulu. We do. We oh, have. He, he did a do. long time ago. Good. <laughs> good. I'm looking forward to listening to that. That might yeah, make me get on. Out. I might make, I might need to get on Spotify at that point. Actually, you probably should. Yeah, I'm still I'm still angry about them about about my uh, about Napster. About... <laughs> 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 I am. I'm, I'm I'm angry about my uh, my music friends who can't who can't eat on you know, three cents uh, for for, uh, for eight yeah. billion streams. Uh, yeah, so just, yeah. But oh, but that's, I missed. I, we need to go back to LPs. That's all I'm saying. We need to go, go back to, to vinyl um, so we can make money. Uh, these artists, you know, have, uh, we're, we're not, Tom Petty's not getting enough money is what I'm getting at. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, that's a great, we, we, we would do that. We, I think he's he's all over that. He's The music's actually been a big part of this. I think, again, partly because he thinks, I th- this is why I think he's going to be a good director, a good um, filmmaker at some point is because he he thinks he's really good with stories but i think because of that background in illustration he he loves visuals he loves thinking through it he can talk to animators uh, very intelligently he could go down that path if he wanted to do do animation i think um but it's also he loves music he's he's he, he composes music and 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 uh, really listens and learns a lot about it cinematic music and other and so he he's got a big sort of vision for it which i'm excited to sort of unleash that on the show yeah. Um, when, when the time is right for that, because I think it is this story is I think it, I'm, I'm very pleased with how this turned out as a novel. I think that's a mm-hmm. that was a good partnership for us. Totally. Yeah, I think um, be, that was a cool synergy and it was a cool we, we put this big story idea that he had and that I contributed to into the package of what I think is a, good, a really good novel. But I still think that that I'm excited about the power of being able to tell that in a in a visual way. I just think there's that's just it's to me it's like you're in black and white, and then you've got wow all the colors and what what you can do with it is just is is, is amazing. Yeah. So, did you guys have any disagreements about how the story should go? Um, I wanted to do or it with dialogue. <laughs> you wanted to do what? I wanted to do it with rabbits. Jack Zulu as the rabbit. It's already been done. That was, that was a dumb joke. That was a that was an SD Smith joke. That was a magnificent joke. Uh, <laughs> I gave it, it five stars. Uh, that was, that's an A plus. I don't know who you're. Uh, I need to talk to your homeschool teacher here uh, and possibly uh, give her a kiss and tell her she's doing a great job. <laughs> you deserve full marks for that today. Um, disagreements. We can't take anything seriously. That's the main. I problem. disagree. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't. We didn't have many big ones. No. That, 
we're, we're both kind of, we both really care about the story and we just want it to be as good as possible. So I think ideally we're, we're usually able to kind of see like if, if the other person has a better idea, then let's go for it. Yeah. It's definitely best idea wins, which again is that's unique to the, to more of the film industry. That's a more of a common thing there because when you're writing a novel, usually you're obviously writing it alone and you're just, you're it, you know, and right. you, you are the authority. And, and a lot of times you're feeling this like, Oh, I wish I could collaborate. Yeah. And then somebody gives you an idea and you say, that's dumb. I'm in charge here. Don't tell me what to do. You know, but uh, there is a little bit of like a, you know, a little benevolent theocracy here and you're this little baby Theo and you're kind of like, I'm in charge here, but, but um, it's, so what requires, I think what's required in animation or in film and all that TV is you got to have people, you got to have somebody in charge. You got to have a Spielberg, you got to have somebody who's calling the shots, whatever. But but the best of those directors, the best of those people are, are excellent collaborators. And they and there's a there's a humility that's required in that. That's something I admire about film industry. You don't often think, oh, Hollywood, I love their humility. Um, but uh, but th- in this case, you know, a lot of the people that I know in that, world that's that's their that's how they operate and i got to give credit to josiah who's again this is his story so he could be very um uh, grasping about it and very like uh this is you know don't you dare change my that i wonder if that's how i would have been at 16 or 15 you know I, i think that's pretty you know likely but he's had a very open hand with it. And he definitely, and I think the, the, my, my feeling is the reason this works to the extent it works is because of his humility and commitment to um, collaboration. And I think that's true. If I can brag on him a little bit, I think that's true about him in his life as well as in his art. Um, and I, and I, that's, a, I, I, that's been the greatest joy of writing this book together has been not just what we produced, which I'm very proud of, but, um, what the experience of producing it together has been a great joy for me. And it makes me, I'm proud of him. I'm pleased. I'm delighted. Like as a co-author, it's like, it's cool just to have like a ringer to have somebody that's good come in. And I mean, I think he's like, he's like bringing Jack Zulu into the game. Yeah. It's, it's really powerful, but, I, but my, my, I'm more pleased with the, the heart, <laughs> the heart for collaboration, the heart for humility, the yielding, um, the, all, all that kind of stuff. I think that's been uh, on display. Well, it has been. That's that's been the experience, and I'm I'm very very proud of him for that. And and uh, uh, but that's been absolutely necessary. And the truth is, we we have disagreed, but we've but we've been able to work it out. Yeah, I just don't think there's been there haven't been like huge disagreements. It's mostly yeah. little details. But that's a massive landmine. Like that's something mm-hmm. that you know you think like, oh, I'm going to write a book with my son. That's going to be it's it, it. I'm amazed and grateful to God. <laughs> that we got through this so far, you know, again, we're, we're still working. So we've got more, more, more books to come, but, but to get through it so far without like, there's enough tension between fathers and sons anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, you know, take out the trash and, uh, you know, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And so yeah. the fact that we've been able to do that, I'm, I'm really, really, really grateful that, that it's, it's gone pretty, pretty have well. You, have you storyboarded it out? How many books do you guys anticipate this series being? I think uh, our main goal, like we, we know the next two books, we, we, we have a planned trilogy for this, uh, but I think, I think we can run with it. I think there are a lot of stories to tell in yeah. this world. Uh, we've got an interesting set of characters who we can take some different directions, I think. Mm-hmm. That now that I gave you my idea, I think it should be four books. Yes. Absolutely. Add another book. 
<laughs> that was off the record. That was off Amazon. The record. Yeah, Amazon gave her an idea, but um, we'll never say what it was. Yeah. We'll, we'll take full credit. We'll take full credit. That's the, the best. You know, I say mediocre artists borrow, the best artists steal, yes. or, or something like that. Well, since we're talking about humility, <laughs> Sam, would you um, read a little bit from the book for us? On page 122, when Mr. Wheeler, the boy's mentor character, is talking about becoming. I just really love that part. And I could talk to you guys about this for another hour, but I know that you guys have things to do. So I think this would be a really good point to end on. Sure. This is neat. This is, uh, this is Mr. Wheeler speaking to some young um, students. My dear friends, he said, patting the rock he sat on. You are becoming what you will always be with every habit you forge for yourself, with every discipline hard won. You are becoming something solid, like this rock. However, he said, sheathing Kalad Blog in a slow, deliberate motion, you must remember that you are not done yet. You are not done becoming. Think of clay, not rock. It is never too late to change a wrong thing. Even stubborn rocks can move over time and make way for water of life to flow. It is never too late to take the better path. If you have started down the wrong way, turn around, turn around, go back, begin again. This takes humility. I know, because I have doubled back on my path a hundred times. I have never regretted aiming to get it right, nor will you. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for putting this into the world, guys. Thanks for reading it. Thanks for uh, sharing it with your with your folks. Uh, we, we're really grateful. Our, our deep and sincere desire is that it will be a gift that will serve the kids and families who read it, and that that um, that that God will use it in a way that multiplies uh, the goodness that's there in a way that we can't <laughs> we can't control or predict. Yeah. That's our, that, and if nothing else, just again, if it can, if it's a little of a modest blessing to a small group of people, that would be uh, of infinite value to us. Yeah. Well, thank you. So for our listeners, I want to let you know that unlike the Green Ember books, Jack Zulu does not end on a giant cliffhanger. So you will not be sitting in anxiety until the next book comes out. It leaves a lot of stuff open, but it also has a nice little closure point. So I know. Quite a few of you are concerned about cliffhangers, so I just wanted you to know. And we are in October now, and so the pre-orders for Jack Zulu have opened, and you can go ahead and go to Amazon or to, I'm guessing jackzulu.com is a place they could order as well. Yep, you can go there, and that probably benefits the author more financially if you want to support them in that way and get your books ordered, get them all ordered for Christmas stockings because they should ship in November. And we thank you for your time. And we thank you for listening to Sam and Josiah with us. And we just want to remind you all that the stories are truer than true. Have a good day. Mm